Welcome into episode 10 of the Sports Bloggers Podcast. We're now officially in double digits. We got a great show for you today. It's a special MLB trade deadline edition with Sports Blog's Tim Boyle. So we're very excited to welcome him back. We're going to talk some Red Sox, some White Sox, and some just general baseball trade rumors. So with that, let's get into our interview with Tim. All right, we're excited to welcome back Tim Boyle of Innings Eaters from SportsBlog.com. Tim, how are you doing? Great, Tom. How are you? I'm great. So obviously we're about a week away from the MLB trade deadline. There's a lot of rumors out there. So starting to get some bigger names on the, the rumor mill. Um, so I want to start with you. The Red Sox, they've already made four trades. They acquired Aaron Hill, Michael Martinez, Brad Ziegler, and Drew Pomeranz. Uh, what do you think of what they've done so far? And do you think that they're going to continue to be active at the deadline? Well, I love the fact that you uh, threw in Michael Martinez because if you know anything about the history of him with the Phillies, uh, he might be one of the worst players in the world. Um, Yeah, he can play every position, but he's not fast. He can't really hit very well. He's he's just really filler. Um, So I I, I was actually surprised you included him in there. there. I know he started uh, over the weekend for Mookie Betts. uh, I think it was on Sunday. We just got swept. I'm kind of clinging to straws here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got swept because you have Michael Martinez on your roster. He is Probably. the absolute worst player. So I, I don't even count that one. Um, I like the Drew Pomeranz deal. I mean, we all know how pathetic the uh, pitching market really is, and Pomeranz is having an awesome year. He's young. He's controllable. He's done pretty well the last few years. Um, I don't know the exact numbers. It's just the injuries have kind of been a little bit of a problem. Um, but I think he'll actually be a good – I think he'll be even better next year, actually. So I like that move. Uh, Ziegler, uh, he's been amazing with the Red Sox so far, so I love that. And um, Aaron Hill, uh, I don't even know if you – he's one of the guys you mentioned. Um, again, I like I like that one, too, just for the added depth. Uh, Travis Shaw hasn't been hitting very well against lefties. Hill can play second base if need be. Uh, the Red Sox, they're really building toward a championship. I like what they've done so far, and uh, I don't think they're done yet. Now, there's a lot of controversy and a lot of back and forth about whether the price of the number 15 overall prospect in baseball and Anderson Espinosa was too high of a price to pay a Drew Pomeranz, who he at one point was pitching out of the bullpen, I think for Oakland. He's bounced around between the Rockies and he ended up at the Padres, where he finally had a kind of breakout career where he lived up to his potential, but they gave up the number 15 overall prospect in baseball for someone who had really only pitched well at an all-star caliber level uh, for half a season. Do you think that price was too steep for him? You know, I think when you put it like that, yes, it was uh, pretty steep, but at the same point, I think you have to overpay this year. Um, we saw uh, Torres on the Cubs for a rental in Chapman, plus a lot of other guys. I would have thought something like Torres and very little in return would have been enough to get Chapman, but even the Cubs had to really overpay for him. Um, Espinosa, I, I, I really, I don't, you would know much better than I, but um, when was the last time the Red Sox had a pitcher developed through the minor league system and was really good with the big league team. I don't know if that's just their forte. Um, they've been great with position players. Uh, Pedroia came up through the system. Uh, Betts, uh, Shaw. Um, they got. They they seem to really. Uh, Bogart. Um, everybody seems to be 
doing well from the position standpoint. But pitching, I feel like um, they might be under the belief that they should focus more on free agents, veterans in that aspect. So uh, I think I, I don't really have a problem with that. Well, I think that's definitely a fair point. Something that's definitely been talked about around here is that kind of after the 2004 World Series, we had a farm system that included John Lester, Manny Del Carmen, Jonathan Papelbon, and uh, Abigail Sanchez at the time. And we kind of had all these locked and loaded arms ready to go. But really, the only one that really turned out well as a starter was John Lester. Mm-hmm. Papelbon came up as a starter, was converted to a closer. A closer obviously has been very successful. But really, the the best farm system product for the Red Sox has been Clay Buckholtz. And obviously, he's had his moments. He's not a complete bust. But this season, the wheels have completely fallen off, and he's been very injury-prone in the past. Um, so it's definitely a fair point. The other thing on Espinosa is he was only 18, and he was in single A. So, yes, people are high on him now, but he's probably not going to be on a major league roster for another four years and at that point, you don't know what's going to happen because the Red Sox have seen people like Henry Owens finally get to the big leagues with all this hype and then just flame out, and now he's an afterthought. But speaking of pitching, the big name on the market right now is Chris Sale. The Red Sox have been the big, the most prominent name linked to him pretty much because we have such a need for a front-end stable ace pitcher with David Price struggling as much as he had this season, do you think Chris Sale will get moved, and do you think the Red Sox ha- are seriously going to consider trading the farm for him? Um, I don't think he'll get moved, and uh, but I do think the Red Sox will consider it, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I do think he will get traded before his contract comes up. I'm not sure when that is. It's Three probably, years from now. Two years from now? Three Three years from now. So I do think he'll get traded eventually. I, I think this is just too quick to happen, uh, even with all that's going on with him. Uh, the Red Sox are one of the few teams that could conceivably get him. But uh, from everything we've read um, on Windy City Tribune, um, it seems as if uh, they're going to need to give up Mookie Betts uh, just as a, just to start to really get him. And that's just a ridiculous uh demand um even yon makata is too much at this point uh so i don't think the red sox are going to get him at least not uh in the next week yeah i completely agree with you on that one tim um but the red sox could realistically trade for jose quintana i mean they talked about giving up their predic uh tom you know his name what is his name copic Michael, it's Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech, and then the outfielder yep. with Benintendi. Andrew Benintendi. Yeah. Could you see a deal where the Red Sox send both of those guys to the White Sox for Quintana and, like, maybe David Robertson? Something like that? Um, I don't think for David Robertson. I think they're kind of done with the top-notch closers. But I do think uh, Quintana. Is it, is it Quintana? Because I, I just love saying that name. Um, yeah, you said it right. You got it. Jose Quintana. It's like very like I just imagine a very like Antonio Banderas. What do you kind of say his name? Um, but I could see them definitely getting him. Uh, I, I don't know, really know how available is he though, Nick. Um, that's the thing. Like the like Pete like the White Sox like came out and said like oh Sale Quintana everyone's you know every starting pitcher's available. And then yesterday the VP says 
oh, we might be buyers and sellers. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Buyers and sellers? Like, so, I mean, realistically, sale stays. If they find, like, an overwhelming deal with, like, Texas or, like, the Dodgers overpay for Quintana, gun to head, I think that'll happen. And then they kind of, like, still next year have these, like, two young prospects that are up in the majors but still, like, add, like, another outfielder via free agency or trade in the offseason like they did last year with Frazier. So, either way, them totally rebuilding is a bunch of bullshit, and I don't believe it. I still think... They just want two major league ready prospects, like maybe like a Pro Four, Pro Far, and a Gallo from uh, the Rangers, and then throw them in the lineup next year and just go from there. But honestly, I don't know. I, they're both available. I think Quintana is more available in Sale, but I think more so is Robertson. They'd rather trade a bullpen arm and some position players more so than mess up the rotation because next year you have a rotation with Sale, Quintana. Shields, Rodon, and Carson Fulmer. That's oh, pretty. Don't forget Matt. Matt Latos can always come back. Yeah, yeah, Matt Latos, crazy. <laughs> he did so great to start the year. Well, he my like, I mean, like, yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh no, just like, they, all their all those old men they brought in, like Jimmy Rollins, they all started the year so great. They had a great month, and then it just all collapsed. Yeah, well, my one friend. Uh, oh, I want to get your guys' take on this. My one friend, Alex, fucking cocksucker, um, <laughs> he thinks that wins and losses for a pitcher means more than ERA, whip, and, like, all that. So when they got rid of Latos, he texted our group chat that we're in, and he's like, why did they get rid of Latos? He's 6-2. and two. In his last four games, he gave up 10 runs a game, okay? <laughs> but the White Sox were able to tie the games... So he didn't lose. Her, he got a no decision. So he's like, I want people who win and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude, look at Jose Quintana. He's 8-8, eight and eight, but he, ha- he his war over the last three years, he's a top five in war for starting pitchers. No one would ever know that. So I just want to get I your guys' take. <laughs> What's well, more I important? Quintana, I think Quintana, last year, he was like a top five just in quality starts. I remember. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing late in the year, I was just curious, and he had like 27, he had more than sale, I think. Yep. I mean, David Price doesn't have a bad record, but he's given up more hits than a starting pitcher in baseball. And his ERA isn't that bad, but, I mean, it's certainly not great, but you look at the record and think, well, he's having another good year. And, I mean, what is it, uh, when we got Pomeranz, he was 8-7, and I think, but he had a 2-4-7 ERA and was an all-star. So I think wins and losses is very deceiving. It all depends on the team you're on because you can pitch five games that you give up two or fewer runs and just get zero run support, but you can also win a bunch of games like some of the Red Sox pitchers have and just have an elite offense behind you to pick you up. So you can have a 6-2 and two record, but you're going to have an ERA over oh, north of five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Look, look, at when, uh, look at when King Felix won the Cy Young that year. He, he had, it was either uh, was like 10 500 record or losing record. Yeah, it was like 10-11. and 11. I think it was 13 and 12. Yeah. We're all just going to say, like yeah, it was, it was about 500. Exactly. Was, he's around 500, won the Cy Young. And then look at um, Ivan Nova. What was it, like a year ago, two years ago? I think he was like 15 and 3 or 16 and 3, but his ERA was close to 5. So Shelby, Mil- Shelby Miller last year, 16 oh and 17 with a 3.02 ERA. Exactly. So, like, like Tom said, it's like you, a lot of it comes down to 
to run support, honestly. Win, wins and losses can definitely be deceiving. Yeah, and that's why, like, when we got James Shields, he was like, oh, they should have kept Latos, who was 6-2. and two. And now Shields is, like, over the last six starts, he's allowed two runs or less. Like, he's really settled down, so I give him a lot of heat on Twitter about that now. But anyway, we're going to get into a, a quick rundown. I'm going to name off some players. Um, Tim, I want you to just give me the team they're going to go to, you think they're going to go to, and a quick sentence why. Or a quick word why. It doesn't it just has to be a quick word. All <laughs> okay. right, so we're going to start off. We're going to go Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce, um, I say he goes to the Dodgers. Why? And I say because, because they have the resources to get whatever they want. Carlos Gonzalez. Carlos Gonzalez, he stays with the Rockies. Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran, he goes to, oh, man, hmm, Texas Rangers. Because Prince Fielder's out. Uh, they have the money. He's not going to cost very much anyway in terms of prospects. Chris Sale. Chris Sale, he stays with the White Sox. Jose Quintana. Jose Quintana. He, he goes to the Red Sox. I'm going to say he goes to the Red Sox. Uh, they... Need, they need the pitching. Um, they have the resources to go out and get him. Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick, uh, he goes to the Baltimore Orioles. Um, they need an outfielder. Um, he does have some good legs. He's a little bit different than what they already have. All right. You heard it here first. I'm going to hold you to that, Tim. <laughs> so if you're not right, we're coming after you. I got uh, one more name for you. What about uh, Jonathan Lucroy? He seems to be the hot name on the catcher market right now. You know, I I didn't think it was going to happen, but I really do think now that he's going to be with the Cleveland Indians. Everything kind of went into, fell into place uh, with Jan Gomes getting hurt, and um, there's actually and it's actually possible. I mean, they can afford it. Uh, they have two, two really good young outfield prospects. Um, I'm drawing a blank on their name. Uh, Bradley Zimmer and um, whoever the other guy is, and they're going to give up one of them to go and get him. All right, Joe, you got anything for Tim? Okay, yeah, so I kind of want to move a little bit away from the trade, de- uh, the trade deadline. Oh, thank uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that Josh Reddick question really threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the Orioles. So, yeah, so obviously we're in the thick of, in the thick of summer. The playoff picture is really starting to shape up. Uh, do you have any any teams who are just outside of either the division or a wild card spot right now that you think could make a serious run? And for a little bit more of a fun question, we're nine years past the uh, when the Rockies were in dead last and then had the miracle run to make it all the way to the World Series. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if there was a team to replicate the Rockies from going from the bottom straight to the top and making it all the way to the series... Which bottom feeder right now do you think would be the most equipped for that? All right. Um, so first question, um, I totally forget. <laughs> Can you just give me the abridged version of it? Yeah. First question, just um, playoff picture. What outside teams right now okay. do you think are the best chance? Um, I think uh, the Houston Astros. Um, you know what? I honestly counted them out completely at the beginning of June. I was already saying, oh, okay, where is Doug Pister going to go? And then I look at the standings a week later. They're five games out uh, of the wild card. Then now they're probably three. I don't know exactly, but they're right there. Uh, they might even catch Texas. Um, National League, I think that's pretty much set up. The only team I could see maybe making a big leap are the Pittsburgh Pirates. And again, they were kind of out of it for a bit, and uh, lately they've been playing really good. Uh, 
baseball. Um, for a team that I think can come out of nowhere and do something, um, unless we really want to say the Chicago White Sox are out of it, which I don't think they quite are, but I could see them conceivably, because uh, they have they have the roster, they haven't really sold anything yet. Um, they have shown that they can win. Um, so they would be my outside possibility to kind of make a run at it, but I really don't think there's going to be any huge surprises. Uh, the top is really heavy, and the bottom, they just seem like they're so far out of it right now. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I, I agree with everything you said. I, think, I, I do think Houston's going to make a solid run. Uh, obviously, they had the experience from last year. Mm. Uh, the young guys are just getting that much better. I, I if they continue to stay hot and they, I, I agree with that I think they definitely can catch Texas. I think they, and if they get into the playoffs, I, def, I think they can make some serious noise. Funny story. Oh, one team. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was just going to add uh, one team. I think that people really have to pay attention to the Miami Marlins. Um, they've done yeah. amazing. They've done amazing this year, and that's with John Carlos Stanton playing like shit. D Gordon was awful, and then he was suspended for most of the year, and they're still right in it. They. I just really hope they don't get Andrew Kasher. I think that's a waste of a trade. Uh, I don't know why everybody's so infatuated with him. He's had maybe one good year. Um, so I, I think the Miami Funny story about the Astros. Uh, they asked the White Sox what it would take for sale, and they said Carlos Correa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's kind of how it is. Like, why wouldn't you shoot for the moon? Yeah. What are they going to say? No? Okay, move on. <laughs> Do the Astros really even need any pitching? It seems like uh, now that Keuchel's been doing well. Yeah, you know um, what? As, if Keuchel's Keuchel, they don't. Because last year, they were fine. Like, it wasn't the pitching that lost them that division series against Kansas City. It was just kind of their bats went dormant. So, yeah, no, they really don't. Maybe a bullpen arm, but other than that, no. Yeah, even the Astros, they might maybe just... They have a pretty crappy bench. That's about uh, mm-hmm. all they could use, maybe... Like a, I don't know, like a Charlie Blackman to start getting some more at bats or something over Carlos Gomez. That's really uh, the only thing. But every oh, first baseman, yeah, that that's really the only thing they need um, until Bregman starts hitting. But I really can't think of too much of the Astros. Need. I mean, honestly, they could probably just like pull like what the Mets did last year when they got Uribe and Kelly Johnson. Just get some exactly. good, get some good platoon players to just round out the offense. Give some key guys a rest if they need it while still being able to be productive. All right, Tim. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. So uh, thank you, Tim, for an awesome interview. That was great. and pretty hyped up for the, the MLB trade deadline. It's going to be a crazy time. We're going to move into segments now, and the first segment is going to be one that we introduced last week called Where in the World is Johnny Football? Uh, so last week I was talking about how Johnny went to that wedding in Hawaii, he had those, uh, those custom-made slippers. Uh, apparently, part one is that he is... Was that that wedding? Punched one of his buddies in the face, just because why not? Like, I mean, he's Johnny Football. He can do whatever he wants to do. But part two of where he is is going to be in an NFL locker room near you sometime soon because he is fully committed to getting back into the game of football. So, guys, what do you think about that? Uh, I think good luck. He will obviously need it. Who punches someone at, like, the rehearsal dinner for his buddy's wedding? I mean... Johnny Football. What what has to happen? A Super Bowl caliber winning quarterback does that. 
Yeah, I a guess. Multi-Super Bowl winning caliber quarterback. I mean, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think any team would touch him with a 10-foot pole right now. There's a lot of mediocre quarterbacks who've had more success. I think teams would rather take a Christian Ponder, who's at least got a head on his shoulders, but might suck over Johnny football. But I mean, it's a great storyline. So I, you know, more power to him. I hope he does end up somewhere. But um, wow, just how how does that happen? <laughs> Dude, honestly, with the Rams cutting uh, Nick Foles today, you can see him going there. Maybe being the uh, the mentor for Jared Goff. Uh, Johnny football in L.A. That'd be a match made in heaven. Exactly. Nick, what do you got? Um, love my boy Johnny football. He's got a. He's keeping his friends in line. They get a little snippy towards him, gives him a little punch, sends him some wine. Everything's all right. Exactly. It's a, it's a love tap. It's not like he yeah. completely decked him in the face and like like broke his nose. Exactly. little love tap. He's probably training. Oh, yeah. Probably be on an NFL roster in a couple weeks, so we got that to look exactly. forward to. And uh, yeah. Hey, if, if Greg Hardy can get a tryout, Johnny Football can get on an NFL roster. Fair point. Let's be real. So that was uh, Where in the World is Johnny Football. So now we're going to move into another segment that we introduced last last episode that we got some good feedback on, and that is Athlete or Average Joe. I'm going to kick this one off. So recently, uh, an embattled and disgruntled employee got into an altercation with one of his superiors, and when... All of the employees cleared out. He decided it'd be a good idea to go in and destroy some of their products. And in return, he was sentenced to five games uh, on the bench. So, uh, athlete or average Joe? Uh, Nick, what, what do you think? Well, if he's five games on the bench, it's got to be an athlete. Yeah, I, I think you're on to it a little bit. Joe, uh, what do you think? I'm going to say average Joe just because this could totally be some poor, poor soul stuck in the cube who was really pissed off, and now he's just banned from being at their uh, the, the work softball games. I mean, for someone who goes around and <laughs> with a pair of scissors or a knife and just cuts up some uh, jerseys, you know, that's kind of some third-grade shit right there. So maybe he was actually put on a bench. Could be an average Joe, but it's not. It's our uh, number one... Trade uh, trade rumor pitcher Chris Sale, who uh, had an interesting week when uh, he refused to wear the White Sox throwback jerseys and uh, decided to go in and cut all of the jerseys so that none of his teammates could wear them, despite the White Sox having a whole promotion around it. Um, baller move. All of his teammates respected it. Kenny Williams and uh, the White Sox front office were infuriated by it. But uh, he's a bit of a mental case. I'd still take him on the Red Sox. Um, but yeah, just uh, an interesting move on his part. All right, I'll start mine. We got uh, this employee missed a drug test and now is facing a four-day suspension from work. Athlete or average drug top? Again, this one could go either way. I think it's, uh, I'm going to go athlete. I think I might have come across this in my, 
my research on convicts. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go athlete. Joe, what about you? I mean, I want to go athlete, but just because I want average Joe to be right, I'm gonna go average Joe. Well, again, he is an athlete, and it's Le'Veon Bell of the Pittsburgh Steelers missed a drug test or supposedly purposely missed it and now is facing a four-game suspension by the NFL. Le'Veon, stay off the weed, as our buddy over at ESPN, Stephen A. Smith, would say. Joe? All right, so uh, my story is, you know, everyone likes to uh, likes to dress up in costumes sometimes. I mean, Halloween's a good holiday for that. Sometimes people just like doing it themselves. You got the naked cowboy over in New York City. So this one gentleman was... Uh, dressed up as a giant Italian sausage and faces um, misdemeanor battery charges for clubbing a woman while dressed up as a sausage. <laughs> athlete or average Joe? Um, I, want, I want to be an athlete so bad. Um, I'm trying to think of what team's player would do something like this. Probably the Browns. Yeah, Browns. Nick, <laughs> what do you think? I'm also praying that this is an athlete because this would be hilarious. Probably some like wide receiver from Ohio State or Miami. Like, sure, they're gonna get charges and all and all of that on them, but in the end, Urban Meyer and whoever the hell Miami's head coach is just gonna give him some money, give the police a little bribe, give him some uh, little sideline passes. You know, the Nick Saban way. So. Hopefully it's an athlete. It is Randall Simon, the former MLB first baseman. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Is that the same guy, speaking of sausages, who, when he was on the Pirates, he clubbed the uh, yep. the sausage race guy in the head <laughs> of the bat? Oh, my <laughs> yep. Coincidence? No. <laughs> the guy obviously has a fetish when it comes to sausages. Sausage. Sausage. <laughs> That was All right, well, that was another solid segment. All right, the Sports Bloggers Podcast has a brand new segment called Top 5. Each of us will give our top five hottest sports personalities today. And for in the and in the future, it'll be on any topic we think. So it could be ice cream, donuts, first baseman, doesn't matter. So I'll start my fifth top hottest sports personality is Colin Coward, former ESPN employee. Um, he's a silver fox, so all the ladies love him, and he has pretty hot takes. Uh, I know he picked my Bears to finish 6-10 yesterday, so fuck him. At number four, we're going to go with Stephen A. Smith, and I, you know, people have him at the top, but he's just so ugly, he can't be that hot. So I can't put him in number four, and in, I just I just really don't like Stephen A. Smith. So he's number four. The people are going to want him there, so I gave the people what they want. I'm a people pleaser, guys. Uh, number three, we're going to go with Ken the Hawk Harrelson, who is the Chicago White Sox play-by-play announcer. Um, he's a monster. I love the guy. Um, he had a heart attack the other night after the Sox beat the Cubs on a walk-off hit by Tyler Saladino. Shout out to Hawk. My number two hottest sports personality is going to have to be Aaron Andrews because she's smoking hot. 
Um, she was money on the Fox sideline reports. A lot better than Pam Oliver, who would be in my negative top five for hottest sports personalities. Um, and number one, God, this is going to be hard. I will go with... Skip Bayless, and this is such a random, like such a cop out move by me because easy pick. But his takes are money with Tebow. I'm a Brady guy. He's a Brady guy. You can't really go wrong with Skip Bayless. He's very his hair, like the guy looks like he's 45, but he's almost 70. So he's definitely hot for like a 75-year-old man. Tom, who are your top five hottest sports personalities? All right, so kicking off my list at number five is uh, the new CEO of Barstool Sports, Erica Nardini. She is a leader among men. She's a huge stoolie, which is always a pro. She just posted a photo on Twitter where she's just standing in the streets of, I think, Philly, just holding a giant sign that says Flacco is not elite, which is one of my core beliefs as a human being. And she just seems like one of the guys, and she's uh, not too uh, not too uh, hard on the eyes either. So I'm going to go with her number five. Go number four. I'm going to go local and go uh, Molly McGrath of, I believe she's back at ESPN now, but she's the former uh, Boston Celtics sideline reporter. She was a cheerleader at BC and uh, quite an attractive person. Number three, this is a given. I'm going Tom Karen of Nesson. Any Red Sox fan who knows uh, who Tom Karen is know that he's a uh, he, he works the glass as well. He's always put together. He's got a very soothing voice. And he's a staple in the Red Sox community. So Tom Karen also has a great name. Great first name. Uh, so he's going three. Number two. And uh, I put quite a bit of thought into this today. But I think number two, I'm going with my girl, Carissa Thompson. I think if you uh, if you follow any on her uh, social media accounts, uh, you probably know what I'm talking about. She was uh, great uh, when she replaced Beatle on Sports Nation. Uh, she's uh, funny. She's in a lot of things because she does some pop culture stuff on E2, um, but she's definitely pretty hot. And number one, this is my upset because Chris Thompson was my girl before, but I'm going number one, Katie Nolan. She is another stoolie. I believe she's also a local person. Um, but definitely just the, everything about her, her personality. She's, again, she's kind of one of the guys. Uh, i definitely a big Katie Nolan fan. Joe, let's hear your top five. All right, so for my number five, I'm also going to go with a local Boston-type reporter. I'm going to go with uh, with Garen Austin from, the, uh, from Nesson. Everyone remembers her for when she was interviewing Hanley Ramirez and got the Gatorade bath poured all over her and it was pretty awesome. So um, she's uh, she knows her stuff. She's quite attractive. So I'm going with Garen Austin, number five. Number four pick is going to be the uh, – uh, it, it hurts me 
to think about him in a different place, but uh, good old Don Arcillo. X Red Sox. Donnie Ball game. X Red Sox uh, announcer now with the uh, San Diego Padres. Uh, obviously, he was run out of Boston by Nesson. Um, I have the uh, Save Arcillo t shirt. He was like my four years in college when I was just listening to Red Sox games, listening to Don Arcillo with. Either Jerry Remy or with Eck. more. I loved it more when he was with Eck because Eck was just batshit crazy. But just listening to him call a game was incredible. It was the passion in his voice and just Don Arcello is probably the best, best sports announcer in the game right now, at least for baseball. For number three, we're gonna go uh, switch gears a little bit. Go over to hockey. Go with my boy, uh, my boy Bob McKenzie. He's uh, approaching the age of sixty. He's a very, very intelligent hockey writer, hockey uh, reporter. Knows his stuff. Always the first one to break a trade, break a free agency signing. Right now he's off uh, chilling on vacation. I believe he changed his – I don't know if it's still this, but he changed his Twitter name to – right now it's uh, Bobby McBoatface, but he had changed it in the past, I think, like Bobby Margarita or – Something alcohol-related, so I'm a big Bob McKenzie guy. He takes my number three spot. Number two, and sticking with hockey, I'm going to go with uh, with Shannon Hogan. She is the Islanders reporter. She does the pregame, postgame interviews with the Islanders. I actually had the pleasure of meeting her when she came to uh, where I work one day. She was Matt Martin was having a uh, hockey clinic at my place, Aviator Sports, and she was there doing a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of uh, PR work. I got I, such a nice person. Uh, great to talk to. Knows her stuff about hockey. She's from uh, Michigan, so she knows she knows her shit. And just an all-around wonderful, uh, wonderful sports personality. So she's my number two. And then my number one pick, I am going with Britt McHenry. Now, everyone remembers her for the incident last year with the um, at the gas station. That was not her finest moment, but she's an ex-soccer player. She knows her stuff about uh, DC sports. She knows her stuff about soccer incredibly, and she is quite attractive. So that combination, that combination of all those things makes her easily my number one pick. Just the fact that she's so knowledgeable in soccer makes her near and dear to my heart. So that's my top five. All right. Great top five, guys. And just quickly before we move on, I'd like to go ahead and retire just the GOAT of all attractive sports personalities, Jenny Boom Boom Dell, or I guess Jenny Boom Boom Dell Middlebrooks now. Boston legend, UMass cheerleader. She uh, she married a player on the Red Sox and uh, pretty much ended his career. But, uh, hey, I'm sure he'd still uh, take that trade off. Uh, so, Jenny, we, we thank you for your years of service and uh, happy birthday. Uh, recently turned the big 3-0 so uh, best of luck in the future all right so the foundation of this podcast is to help bloggers like ourselves kind of give them tips and helpful hints to get their blog more views and uh, more loyal readership so we're, we're going to do something a little different this week for our tips we're going to go around and uh, mention one blog that we wrote this week uh, that did particularly well and kind of discuss our thought process going into writing it, maybe any kind of special promotion or anything. 
above and beyond that we did to try to get it out there for the viewers um, and just kind of uh, our mindset when we decided to sit down and write it. So I'm going to kick it off. Uh, I wrote a blog yesterday. Um, so I'm a big sports radio listener, obviously, because I'm doing a podcast myself. But uh, I was listening to Felger and Mass, which is a, the afternoon show up here in Boston. And the their executive producer, Jimmy Stewart, uh, uh, cited his underground sources uh, for the Celtics. And there was a big uh, trade rumor going around over the past month that uh, the Celtics were in talks with Doc Rivers and the LA Clippers to acquire Blake Griffin. And Paul Pierce, obviously, all-time great Celtic, is a member of the Clippers. And when you'd look on social media, you'd see people saying, oh, we should bring Pierce back. But there's really no foundation for that rumor. It was kind of just wishful thinking. Certainly, I'd love to see him back, even if he's kind of a shell of what he was in Boston. Uh, but according to Felger and Maz and Jimmy Stewart, the Celtics did try to bring back Pierce um, on what is likely his last year in the NBA. Uh, so what I did was I realized that Paul Pierce is still a polarizing sports figure in Boston. That's a legitimate radio show. So I just did a quick write-up and said that Paul Pierce was to be included in the proposed Blake Griffin trade with the Clippers. And I wrote about what the proposed deal was, and it was that the Celtics would receive Griffin, Pierce. They would send Terry Rozier and draft picks to the Kings. The Kings would trade Rudy Gay to the Clippers, and the Clippers for Griffin would receive Olenek, Avery Bradley, and the 2018 Brooklyn Nets pick from the Celtics. Just threw it out there, and then put a little disclaimer saying, you know, here's where I found it. Even they said that there was some holes that about what the Kings would actually receive that kind of raised some red flags. And I did that because people are so quick on social media to just try and fight. So obviously, if they're going to read this, and I'm not a verified account, so... They're going to say that I'm not a credible news source. But I cited where I found it. I said, this is great in theory, but how legitimate it is, I don't know. He's citing his underground sources. He's been right before. He hasn't been right sometimes. But here's where I found it. What do you guys think? Tried to create a dialogue rather than just saying as fact something that I didn't know to be true. So uh, I reached out to a website that was Celtics based, that was very popular, verified on Facebook, and I saw that they had a daily link section. I said, hey, I got this article. I think that your readers really enjoy it. Do you mind including it in the daily links section? Also, here's my site. If you think it's of good enough quality, can you include me in future updates? They said yes. I put it, I joined two Celtics Facebook groups that had 10,000, 5,000 uh, members respectively. Just put the blog up there and said, what do you guys think about this? And so far, I've gotten around 3,000 views for the post. It's been pretty successful. And I think in the future, my viewership is going to go up because I'm now a member of these groups. Uh, so, Nick, why don't we go with uh, your blog of the week? Sure. Uh, for my blog of the week, I'm kind of do something uh, a little different. Um, there have been a ton of White Sox rumors. So if you're covering a team, we had Vaden on um, a couple weeks ago, last week. 
uh, he stressed the importance of talking about or blogging about a specific team or sport when you guys start out. Right now, I'm all my energy is going towards the White Sox and Cubs because it's the trade deadlines, the busiest time of year. There's not really anything going on with football yet, even though that'll get up, get going in a couple of weeks. So, again, what Vaden said makes sense because I've been focusing all my time on the White Sox and all the little reports and getting those things out. People will come at you and say, you know, these reports are bullshit, blah, blah, blah. But like Tom said, make sure if there's a tweet by someone who's verified, get that in there. Um, use the sources. And again, you're like a beat reporter for the team. So if you see a report out there, get it out. Because more, more than likely, you'll be able to type up a blog getting people's views and opinions before a Bleacher Report, before an ESPN. Or you could even see a, a rumor. I know I'm working on something right now about Chris Sale Kyle Schwarber. And an ESPN writer actually suggested that. So by me citing that ESPN writer, it makes me, myself, more credible instead of just me pulling a rumor out of thin air. So just cite your rumors like Tom said. And if you're covering a team, cover them like you are their beat reporter. Every little thing. Because people may not, yes, the ESPN's Bleacher Reports may not cover that little rumor. And then you have a leg up on them. So, Joe, what do you got this week? So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk more about like fun little blogs that you can do. So I think my favorite blog that I wrote in the past week, I put it out last uh, last Wednesday, was I did a preview blog for the 2016-17 NHL Pacific Division. And myself personally, I love like these preseason prediction blogs, uh, seeing what other people, other sports fans their insight on how they think certain teams are going to perform. And I don't know. It's, it's just, those are, I feel like those are some of the most fun blogs that you can write because it's all, it's aside from reporting on who they signed, who they got rid of and like any big trades that they're going to make any, or they have made any, and like the facts of like what their record was last season, all of the other contents of that article are your own opinion. So I know for mine, I put in, what I think their record's going to be, like what each team's going to be this year, I think um, I had like Vancouver in last, and then Edmonton, Arizona, uh, LA, Calgary, San, uh, Calgary, Anaheim, and San Jose in that order. Um, but you, you, it's really up to you, like exactly what you want to put in there. I put in key acquisitions, I put in key departures, and then I, pr- I predicted what their breakout stars for the year is going to be for each team. So doing a blog like that, gives you a lot more leeway with what you can do. It gives you a lot more freedom with what you can do because it is strictly your opinion. And it's just, it's a lot of fun just looking back in June when the Stanley Cup's being presented and seeing how you, how your predictions came out. I'm sure like, like I said, I love looking at other people's predictions. So if you get a right target market and broadcast it properly to say NHL fans or like if you want to send it to, a Calgary Flames fan saying, hey, I think you guys are going to make the playoffs this year. Read on, read why I think you're going to. It's a good way of getting your blog out there, and as I keep reiterating, it's just a fun blog to write. It's all based on what you think. It's all based on how you how you see the season turning out, and it's just it's something that you can just continue to roll with. I wrote that blog over the course of two days and just kept writing nonstop because it was just, I, I loved writing about that topic, so 
doing fun blogs like that in the midst of reporting on potential trades or potential trade rumors is always a nice little thing that you can include just to give your readers a little bit more of uh, insight to what you think. All right. Well, that was episode 10 of the Sports Bloggers Podcast. Uh, we'll see everyone next week. Thank you.